Hello. Wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arkali and this is today's tech briefing. In today's program, one thing that uh, we've been able to accomplish is build a cloud dashboard. This is an impressive tool that gathers every breast examination from around the world on a single repository online. And it 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 as soon as you do that you realize it unlocks the it unlocks an amazing potential that's after these headlines various eu countries have approved india's vaccines for arriving travelers the bbc reports covishield is now eligible for travel to austria germany slovenia greece ireland and spain iceland and switzerland too have made the jab eligible for travel to the countries according to the bbc Estonia has confirmed that it will recognize all the vaccines authorized by India for incoming travelers. Covishield is AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine in India. In Europe, it's called Vaxzervia. The European Union's digital COVID-19 certificate officially launched yesterday. The certificate, being called Green Pass, allows people to show proof of COVID-19 vaccination, a recent negative result, or a past COVID-19 infection. The intra-EU certificate recognizes COVID-19 vaccines authorized in the region, including those from AstraZeneca, Pfizer-BioNTech, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. Facebook, Google, Twitter, and TikTok committed to tackling online abuse and improving safety for women on their platforms. At the UN Generation Equality Forum in Paris yesterday, The Verge reports, the pledge came following consultations with the World Wide Web Foundation, over the past year aimed at examining online gender-based violence and abuse according to the wwwf the companies have pledged to build better ways for women to curate their safety online by offering more granular settings such as who can see share or comment on posts more simple and accessible language easier navigation and access to safety tools and by reducing the burden on women by proactively reducing the amount of abuse they see Tata Consultancy Services, India's biggest IT services company, has expanded its strategic partnership with Royal London, the largest mutual life insurance, pensions and investment company in the UK, to help the latter transform its pensions platform estate and deliver more data-driven and digital technology services to members and customers. Microsoft and Arun Jaitley National Institute of Financial Management have partnered to build an AI and Emerging Technologies Center of Excellence at the Institute. The collaboration seeks to explore the role of cloud computing, AI and emerging technologies for transforming and shaping the future of public finance management in India. Kindrel, an IBM spin-off focused on infrastructure management services, has appointed Lingaraju Saukar as its president for India. Saukar, who is currently general manager of IBM Global Technology Services for India and South Asia, is an important appointment in the building of Kindrel's new simplified leadership model the company said yesterday Zomato a food delivery startup that is headed for an IPO has sought approval from India's competition commission to invest in grofers an online groceries business Zomato is looking to acquire 9.3% stake in grofers economic times reported grofers has closed a 120 million dollar investment from Zomato and Tiger Global valuing it at a little over 1 billion dollars the newspaper reports flipkart an e-commerce marketplace has launched a social and community based commerce app called shopsy people can sign up on the app to tap flipkart's catalog of 150 million products to sell to their friends and local community 
The model is being popularized in India by newer startups as well, notably Misho, which has millions of women selling fashion and accessories to their local contacts using WhatsApp. Inflexor Ventures announced that it has marked the final close of its fund at over 600 crore rupees or 80 million dollars. Inflexor Technology Fund was launched in early 2020 and investors include SBI Cap Ventures, Sidbi, Suryam and some of India's top family offices and ultra high net worth individuals including founders of many successful technology companies. The Sector Agnostic Technology Fund aims to invest primarily in B2B and enterprise solution startups. It will participate in rounds from pre-series A to series B to invest in around 25 startups over the next 3 to 4 years. Early detection of cancer is the key to beating the dreaded disease, but most women in emerging economies, including India, don't have the access to tests or can't afford them. For almost 10 years, Mihir Shah at UE Life Sciences has been working to change that and has made significant strides. I spoke with him about his company's easy-to-use early diagnostic technologies for breast and cervical cancer, two of the most common cancers in women. Here's more from that conversation. Mihir, uh, welcome to this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for making time for this. It's been a few years since uh, I spoke with you uh, last. At that time, you had a, an exciting new portable, highly portable breast scan uh, device uh, that you were looking to manufacture out of India. Maybe you could give us a little uh, brief history of uh, UE Life Sciences, uh, when and how you started it, and uh, then we can move on to what you're doing now. And I've seen that uh, you have built uh, more technologies and so on. Hi, Harry. So thanks for having me on the show, on the podcast. We've been busy and uh, times have been challenging. So there is a lot. Uh, it's been a roller coaster ride and continues to be one. Uh, just for a quick background for the listeners, uh, UE Life Sciences was formed in 2009. And uh, it, the real, you know, the genesis behind the formation of the company was the fact that my mother-in-law was diagnosed with breast cancer back when, right around the time when I got married. And it had a huge impact on my learning more about this uh, you know, area of cancer and understanding how majority of the women around the world don't have access to the most common and deadly forms of cancer. And it really baffled me to see that survival rates are so high uh, here in the United States and in developed countries where early detection plays a vital role in bringing the women into treatment early and, 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 the, and the treatments are there, right? Therapies are there, treatments are there. But unfortunately, across low and middle income countries, across the emerging markets, uh, South Asia, Southeast Asia, Middle East and North Africa, Latin America, majority of the world, women don't have access to mechanisms of early detection of the most common cancers. So that was the genesis behind the foundation of the company. And uh, I, along with uh, my partners in crime, Bhaumik Sangvi and uh, Matthew Campisi, the three of us decided to dive in headfirst to try and develop mechanisms, uh, some innovative ways uh, using our prowess in uh, hardware and software you know, engineering to see if we could uh, help develop more accessible, affordable, inclusive, 
solutions to early detection of women's cancers. So that's been, that's kind of a, maybe a quick introduction for everyone. Hmm. And uh, I recall last time uh, we spoke, uh, I think in Bangalore, uh, you were also uh, uh, announcing uh, some partnerships, I think Biocon and then General Electric. And that was around, uh, I think your first uh, device uh, or the close to commercial uh, device, uh, the eye breast exam. Uh, can you talk about that a bit? Sure. So uh, we, uh, 2012 is when we won a, uh, a, 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 a pretty significant grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Health here in US, uh, which allowed us, which enabled us to license a, an innovative sensor technology from Drexel University here in US. And uh, by 2015, we developed uh, this handheld, completely wireless battery powered device, a, a portable point of care device that would enable community health workers to detect small non-palpable lumps really virtually anywhere. And this device would require minimal training. Uh, it's fairly low cost. Uh, and it really had, it's conducive to the environment like uh, you know, rural India and other low and middle income countries. So it was designed for a very specific task, which is uh, equipping the, the broad scale measure and uh, uh, really the stakeholder, you know, the frontline stakeholder that is facing primary healthcare in India and other countries, which is the community health work. And uh, we really have been able to scale this in many countries by now. Uh, we are in more than 10 countries present commercially. Hari, these are some uh, updates, I guess, for you and the listeners. So iBreast exam has now crossed regulatory hurdles in more than 10 countries, uh, including US FDA and uh, CE, which is for the European market. And uh, more than 400,000 women have received the exam to date. And uh, over a million women will soon be receiving the test given the commercialization that we've already accomplished. Um, I'm also kind of happy to share that over seven independent international clinical studies have uh, evaluated the efficacy, utility, usability, acceptability, these different measures have been evaluated by these independent clinical researchers from around the world. Uh, our latest study is actually just completed with uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center here in US. Uh, as you well know, one of the most leading uh, cancer centers, research centers in the world. And what we are able to show is that eye breast exam in the hands of lay users like community health workers and primary care workers is equally effective or, or more effective than uh, an expert clinician. And the takeaway there is that majority of the developing world does not have enough experienced doctors that can go everywhere. And, and, and that resource is not easy to make available. So instead, if you had a telehealth device like this, a telemedicine-based device 
that could act as you know an expert breast surgeon being available everywhere who could uh, help i and and thus enable community health workers to identify early stage lumps in the breasts and bring women into treatment at an early stage so from a clinic clinical standpoint regulatory standpoint uh we've done a lot of work and now we are scaling in multiple markets where ibrest exam is being evaluated to become uh a a large scale tool for the region or the country uh, as a as a national tool if you will for early detection of breast cancer what has been the experience in india with the use of uh, ibrest exam so uh we've done extensive amounts of work uh, in india hari <clears throat> uh with non profits with uh ministries of health uh in fact in maharashtra uh over 100000 women have been examined uh in collaboration with the uh the ministry of health education uh we've been able to equip all the state medical colleges with ibrest exam and the program has been quite successful we've also worked in mohalla clinics in delhi and uh have been able to show uh to the to the you know to the government stakeholders how ibrest exam can effectively triage healthy women and identify suspects for uh prevalence of breast cancer um we've we've really uh, worked with uh, a number of um you know health systems and uh, prominent uh, uh uh hospital chains and diagnostic partners so a lot of the background work has been done in terms of clinical validation usability acceptability in women uh, i've had the privilege to be in gadchiroli for example with uh, uh the most amazing rani bang and uh, dr rani bang and uh, dr abhay bang uh to to be able to understand the utility of this tool even in such remote places uh we've been able to understand women's perspective in presenting themselves for this kind of a kind of a test you know whether it's in you know with with uh, educated and employed demographic or whether it's homemakers and and kind of you know as we call it the middle class community uh in housing societies and all the way down to rural areas uh in india so i am fairly confident that in the days to come in 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 months to come we are looking at a number of scale projects in collaboration with state health ministries non profits uh, as well as private healthcare providers uh, i recall one of the important uh, uh, aims that you had set for yourself is to uh, make this as affordable as possible uh, through your various partnerships and as you get to scale uh, how has that uh, uh, experience been so far so as far as um, no that that's a great follow up hari um uh, when i was giving the ted talk uh, this was an opportunity you know that came to to be able to give a ted talk on star tv with uh, with mr shahrukh khan he asked me a similar question 
you know, how affordable is this test? And we really have been able to uh, comply with the affordability standards in different countries. So in India, for example, we've been able to work with nonprofits and state health ministries that provide this test to the underserved communities, to women uh, who can't access private healthcare themselves for costs that are cheaper than a doctor's appointment, uh, for costs that are comparable to you know, uh, malaria treatment and uh, polio shots. Uh, in many cases, women end up getting the test for free. And what we've done is to continue scaling that, we've detached ourselves from uh, becoming an equipment, uh, you know, uh, an, an, a capital expenditure kind of a revenue model. So instead of purchasing the equipment, you are purchasing access to early detection. And so we are able to work on a, call it a pay-per-use pay use model. Uh, and we have a sensor cartridge that the customer purchases. So instead of having to purchase equipment, they know exactly how many women they will able to bring this kind of a benefit to. And uh, it's, it's highly affordable. So uh, that's, that's the reality in several countries now. Hmm. And especially over the last uh, few years, even in uh, markets like India, mobile internet connectivity has really uh, penetrated fairly deep. Uh, so what are the implications of that, you know, with a device like iBreast exam? So look, I mean, um, iBreast exam has, it's a two-part device. It's got this mobile scanner. Uh, it, it call it the data acquisition tool that really collects uh, tissue elasticity information in real time. And the other part of the device is a mobile app. Well, the mobile app resides in a mobile device. Now we've designed our tool, sort of we started designing this in 2012, Hari, so you can appreciate that we designed it to ensure that it can work without internet connectivity uh, as well. And so the operation by itself all the way up to getting the results of the test does not require any internet connectivity. However, what's uh, amazing to see is the cost of mobile devices have come down significantly while the processing power has continued to go, go up. And so we are able to do a whole lot of functions on board computing that was rather difficult to do in 2012 and uh, for a fairly low cost which allows us to have revenue models based on paper use model rather than having to sell equipment for an at an expensive price. So our COGS, our cost of goods are fairly low, uh, allowing us to take on these large scale projects with uh, you know, providers, both public and private. And computing platform, mobile devices play a huge role in that because they are ubiquitously available. Uh, there are programs now we get into where we don't even provide the mobile phone because the provider has them uh, across the board. And they are already running health apps on that uh, device. And so they are able to multi-process uh, uh, different devices, different uh, uh, parameters, different uh, uh, you know, programs. And so uh, penetration of uh, mobile telephony uh, with or without the internet 
really has been a, a huge enabler for companies like ours to make innovative medical device solutions available at the last mile. Uh, what are some of the uh, complementary technologies that you've been building uh, around the devices uh, in more recent times? I mean, I ask in the context of uh, increased uh, cloud computing these days, uh, AI becoming more mainstream, uh, machine learning becoming more mainstream. Um, so that, that's that's been our focus uh, of late in the past, uh, I would say, couple of years, which is how can we diversify how can we attack additional cancers uh, and, and really utilize the hardware and software capabilities that we have uh, to do more? So one thing that uh, we've been able to accomplish is build a cloud dashboard. This is an impressive tool that gathers every breast examination from around the world on a single repository online. And it, 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 as soon as you do that, you realize it unlocks, the, it unlocks an amazing potential. It enables health systems to now see a heat map of the region in real time. Uh, you know, a decision maker, a, a, an administrator of, of healthcare services can see which demographic, which communities, which age uh, and, and other you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, demographics are turning out to be positive with conditions. They are able to then use the cloud dashboard to follow up uh, with these individuals to increase adherence to treatment and, and, and next steps, diagnostics and treatment. Uh, the cloud also enables you the ability to review, replay uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of examinations in real time after the fact. So things that might have been missed on the ground perhaps can be picked up later on. You can use the cloud now to assess uh, user performance. So if any of the operators needed retraining, you can now see if uh, you know false positive rates were increasing. You can then pinpoint a, a given user or an equipment and see where the fault was or where the error is coming from and actually uh, almost think of it as preventive maintenance and upkeep of uh, compliance and, and make sure that the most efficacious use of technology is happening on the ground without having to manually monitor that uh, entire activity. So we've built this, uh, this fascinating tool uh, and you know, AI is enabling some of these features. Uh, the sheer ability to uh, collect and uh, kind of being able to manipulate large data sets in real time, uh, that's also uh, amazing to see that those capabilities are only going to get better and more affordable. So that's one thing that we did, Hari. Uh, second thing is uh, we've gone after cervical cancer. So breast and cervical cancer combined are constituting somewhere between 45 to 50% of all women's cancers, uh, especially in India and some of the developing countries. And the desire we had was, what if, what if in a single visit, we could examine women for 50% of the cancers that happened to them? 
And so that was the vision. We realized that uh, we already had a mobile device as part of our product offering along with this scanner. And this mobile device happens to have a, a camera, a visual camera behind the mobile device. Every device has a, has a camera. And that camera can be used to visually inspect the cervix to identify if there is signs of uh, early uh, pre-cancer of you know pre pre-cervical cancer. And so we started developing this tool. Uh, today we have a device uh, we've developed uh, an early prototype, a commercial prototype called Cervical. Uh, it's an AI-enabled mobile colposcope, and we've built a mobile app that is connected at the hip with eye breast exam. So now using a single mobile app, using a, 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 sing, you know, a unified user interface, a community health worker is able to uh, provide early detection of breast and cervical cancer in a single visit within a few minutes. And uh, AI is going to completely disrupt, it's going to bring about a paradigm shift in cervical cancer screening not just in developing countries, but across the world. So there are some uh, uh, projects we are working on right now and, and, and partnerships we are working on right now that we hope to announce in the, in the weeks and hopefully uh, you know, uh, weeks, if not months, that we are working on that is going to really put us in a leading position globally to build out this solution to and to bring it to market. Uh, so we are working on breast and cervical cancer today uh, as a unified solution. And health systems will have access to either of the tool or both together. Uh, and that would be an optionality available to uh, all the healthcare providers around the world. In addition to this, Harry, I just wanted to tell you that there is a stealth project going on at UE Life Sciences that I would like you and the listeners to uh, be uh, intrigued and uh, uh, looking forward to that I will not share a lot of details about. <laughs> okay, I mean, since you mentioned the stealth project, would you even want to give us a hint what it is around? All I can tell you today is that it is going to launch in less than a year. It is going to be a, a global disruption in the market of uh, preventive oncology and women's health. And it would be something that would dynamically allow us to go after early detection like nothing has been possible to date. It's the most disruptive solution that we've come up with so far. Excellent. Uh, so uh, uh, we definitely wish you all success with your uh, intriguing stealth uh, program and uh, uh, here's hoping that it will truly benefit a large number of people as you uh, hope that it will. Uh, thank you so much again, Mihir, for making time for this conversation. Pleasure. Thank you. That was Mihir Shah. That's it for this briefing. You can listen to all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com or on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arkley. Thank you for listening.